0: Okay, quite on the set everybody. Stand by, roll camera, speed, roll sound, speed, market, and cute talent. Hello and welcome to this week in production. On the show this week, we are live in two control rooms. Myself in New York. Mr. Tom Chartran in Anchorage. Welcome, Tom. Greetings from the lakefront here. The beautiful Millennium Lakefront. We've been talking about the Iditarod for several episodes of the podcast. It's been on, you know, many, many conversations about the Iditarod on the podcast. But this podcast in particular, we are live on the air. I mean, you're live. Your control room is live on the air. My control room is uh, down for the night. We've worked it out that we have two operators this year, yourself and me, Mm -hmm. instead of me just being up for 24 hours on call, which has been a nice change of pace. And I'm home, which is also new and different. Um, Very different, right? Very different. But there were a whole bunch of issues to... Be able to try and attempt this project partially remote, partially um, the way we've done it. And I thought in this episode of This Week in Production, we'd sort of peel back the curtain a little bit more than uh, we have in the past. A little more technical, a little more granular with the, the details. And
1: right. I mean, we're right on it. We are broadcasting two cameras live at the moment, uh, from the trail and, uh, things are happening and it's all working really well.
0: Right. So in the middle of this podcast, you may have to jump off and actually direct a little live hit with some Mm -hmm. talent and we don't know when that's going to happen. We'll try to get through the podcast, but if we don't, we're prepared to sort of listen in on you, evaluate you, we'll uh, score you on your performance. (laughs) And then at the end of the week, If you have enough points, you'll get paid.
1: Well, that sounds like every other job
0: I work. (laughs) Now, you had arrived in Alaska a week ago Sunday. So you've been in Alaska for about 10 days already. Has it been 10 days? It's been a blur. It has. It's always a blur. But (laughs) Sunday, this past Sunday, was our first sort of live moment And that was the official start of the Iditarod. Normally, we have a day for a sort of a pre-start, a ceremonial start, which is in downtown Anchorage. This year, they didn't do it. And that's usually a tech check, facts of all the gear, sort of see if there's anything that has broken. We didn't really get that this year. We went right to the start you were uh, responsible for basically prepping the live streaming crew and the regular crew with gear and uh, all that logistical stuff.
1: Right, putting together 22 the cases the worth of the rental equipment, and I think we've got a call coming in.
0: Caller, go ahead.
1: Hey, Josiah, are you guys ready to go? Uh, the mushroom decided to opt it out a few minutes, let go find somebody, here, somebody else. Okay, copy that. Um, I've got a two shot up with uh, both cameras right now. So uh, when you guys are prepared with someone, just uh, radio into me, and uh, and we'll get it going. Okay. Well. Done. Now this is a fun little bit of technology too—the two-way radio that you use. Um, that's an I- iOS app or Android app. Um, using the little bit of internet that we've got out there, the Unity Comms, um, we're able to talk to the cameraman look at the shot i mean it's it's amazing and it's so quick in real time
0: unity is nice and i've used it many production use, use it you can use it as a uh, on your own mac server you can basically mm-hmm. buy the software license and run it yourself we're using it as a unity cloud but i've had some problems with it on this job in particular
1: mm-hmm. but
0: but the one the one rub i have with unity on your mobile device, like your phone, is yeah. that if you get a text message or a phone call, unless your phone is in Do Not Disturb, it basically will knock you right off a of unity. It and drops it. People yeah. don't know on the other end that you've been knocked off. So right. I was having a conversation with a camera guy. I thought he was hearing my direction and uh, he got bumped off. I didn't know it. He didn't know it and all of a sudden he's moving the camera and I'm like no stop stop like you know I'm yelling so um so I was having this whole uh conversation and then the camera started moving and I was like getting upset and then I realized he couldn't hear me and it's it's the one rub I have with unity on the phone and I, and I don't know if you put it in do not disturb if it fixes that but it right. should have a way to sort of lock out everything else. Otherwise it's a mess. Even a text message can disrupt the audio stream. And if that's the one piece of data you've been waiting to hear, like you know, zoom or cut or roll, like you know, you might miss it. Such as I did around. So yeah, Unity is good, but it has some some flaws. We we've had mixed bag results with it, I'd say, on this job. And it might be something because I'm in New York and you're in Alaska And maybe the latency, you know, for me is too much for them to communicate. But we've had some choppiness in the audio and some things that are just hard to, you know, work out. And that's the problem out in the
1: field. You're going back and forth between, you know, uh, wireless audio systems and an internal microphone. And it's, you know, zero degrees and windy and people are exhausted. There's, there's, just,
0: a, there's a lot of variables that have yeah. to play into effect. And we're using these Intenor field encoders. And we have a dashboard called the uh, ISS, Intenor.
1: Josiah, something is up with the video feed. Um, it keeps disconnecting.
0: So Tom is able to look at the dashboard, see what the encoder is doing. He can tell if it's losing network connectivity or if it's losing video connectivity Or or if we're getting latency errors, he can see that the network might not be fast enough to do the stream. So he's looking at the dashboard from Intenor, and he's looking at his uh, MIMO Live NDI output from the Intenor. And he's trying to talk to the camera guy and see what's happening, if they're having problems with the satellite, if they're having problems with the wiring.
1: I've got you guys now, but it's the background is really blown out. Good afternoon, insiders. Liz Rains here in McGrath with Musher Hall.
0: Let's go back if we can, while we while we have a moment. Let's yep. go back to Sunday and the the restart, which was being. Mm-hmm. The broadcast was being produced by the local broadcast station, the partner of Iditarod KTUU. Mm -hmm. And they had a truck and they had uh, cameras and camera ops. And they were satellite feeding their signal back to the station. And we we had a... Well, the first sort of mishap was when I sent my Cube 155 encoder fedex to the station two weeks ahead of time right and we had a big ice and snow event in the middle of the country and for about 10 days the cube sat in memphis in an unknown state whether it would get there or not uh to alaska and it finally did arrive and then upon arrival they hooked it up and that was going to be the stream the RTMP feed from the station to us for the live broadcast, right? And unfortunately, the Cube One Fifty Five, which is probably I bought that probably in the uh, in the early two thousands. So that's old technology. It's pretty old tech. It still works, and it still has value. Uh, except mine might have some, you know, overheating issues. So we we put it in the station and it froze up after a couple of hours and I made the decision to pull one of my other Teradek encoders out of our uh, finish kit and send it to the station as a uh, replacement. It's a Video Go, which is an SDI, an HDMI uh, box. It's HEVC and it's H264 and we're using it in a h264 configuration because the hevc requires you to stream back to the teradek cloud which i didn't want to do i wanted to basically come right into the Intenor with it so we're using just a straight h264 encoder so the video go went into the station worked fine but you are on site Uh, at Deshka Landing, where the start and the finish take place this year. And as we're getting ready for the uh, broadcast in the morning before, it started about one o'clock local time. And and we were planning to do some live hits with the talent. And you were coordinating that on the ground. And I was receiving and trying to broadcast. And I was getting this weird, it was sort of a, two or three second you know normalcy and then it would be a freeze and then like a sort of a speed up and then it would play in real time for like two or three seconds and this was a live stream and it, it, right. looked, it looked like it was an encoder issue and i was on the phone or on email with Intenor; they were very very responsive about uh, support and i said look They're great i'm like we're having trouble and I don't know why, like we have bandwidth and this and that. I'm not sure what the problem is. And we went through some troubleshooting steps. And one of which was to take the signal directly from the, uh, the media server, what they call the router right, and see if it looked proper at the router. And then you could basically eliminate the router from the network and see if there was a network issue. And it turned out, to much to my demise, that there was a a network issue with NDI. Now I'm using the router. There's I didn't option the router with uh, SDI outputs. Right. You can, you can spend money and option it with SDI outputs and all this stuff. I'm all network based, so I was like, let's just do NDI, which is included. So mm-hmm. I take four NDI outputs out of the. Uh, internal router over my network into MIMO Live. That's how I distribute the the signal processing. So we looked at the feeds coming in over SRT right from the router, and they look beautiful. And what I was getting in MIMO was terrible, not usable. Right. So we quickly determined that my switch was the culprit. I'm going to flashback two weeks ago where I decided to replace my ubiquity edge router 4 in my office to try to eliminate a, a replicate set of routers. I had an ER4 and uh-huh. I had a ER8. an ER8 and the ER8 belonged in a in a fly pack. And it let me basically generate a network for all my PTZs and all my uh, Dante and all that sort of stuff. And that router uh, was set up to be on a certain network protocol. So in my office, I had my office ER4 router, and then I had the ER8. And the Intenor stuff was all behind the ER8. And anytime I wanted to do port forwarding, I had to do it on two routers. It was messy, and it wasn't really the plan. It was just the way it was. I had the fly packs, I had the routers, so I just kind of hooked it up. And I decided two weeks before the I did a route, I'm going to clean that up. I'm going to put in this new Ubiquiti Dream Machine, which is a uh, more fancy router and switch. Right. And I'm going to eliminate the whole ER8. And, and basically simplify the process. Only have to have one router and one set of port forwardings. Well, <laughs> on Sunday, when I realized that the uh, consultant that I hired remotely from Canada, he's a famous YouTuber, and I'll leave it at that. He reset my switch, which was a Ubiquiti 24 port POE switch. He reset it because we had to adopt it into the new controller. And I remember when I set that switch up, I had to go into some command line programming to turn on things like um, IGMP snooping and uh, multicast. And if you don't know what those are, I don't either. (laughs) But you need to have them working to make NDI work. So I went through a very sort of Awkward process reading, you know, web blogs and how to guides, but I was able to get the switch programmed a couple years ago to work with NDI. And when we reset the switch, it wasn't until like an hour later after I hung up with the consultant that I realized I lost my programming. So I had done some testing and I didn't see any problems with the NDI. But it was very light testing it wasn't with talent and lip sync and constant movement so i didn't notice the problem but here we are sunday and we're probably an hour away from the broadcast and i realized my switch is a problem and it's going to be not functional (laughs) so So while you're uh, out there trying to wrangle logistics, I'm in my office rerunning home runs from my computer to my dream machine, trying to bypass the switch. Now, it wasn't like I had 80 devices in it. I had four devices in it, but I had to go and find four new long Ethernet cables. I had to run them frantically in my office, get it set up. So literally, as we're basically getting ready to record, you're like, okay, well, they want to do a live hit. I'm like, I need 10 minutes, 10 more minutes. Right, exactly. I needed 10 minutes. Anyway, I got the NDI problem resolved, which was like, you know, years off my life. But it's just, it's just typical in a live streaming environment. There's so many variables. You know, we get the broadcast done and all went fine and smooth and and you went back to the hotel where you're headquartered for a week or two and then we had another set of network issues
1: oh my goodness that was
0: in order to make this job more uh, manageable tom and i decided that we were going to have two control rooms i have two of these Intonor routers and one router can basically send the signals at the same time it's coming into my system to Tom's router. And Tom can have them in his system at the same time with very minimal latency. So we had tested the routers, they were set up to work. And they work on certain ports and certain protocols. And we get to the hotel, Tom gets to the hotel. And we know that we need to have certain ports opened. And we work with the telecom sponsor, which is another wrinkle politically. You know, they tell us, okay, it's uh, it's good. It's working. So so we, we got the firewall programming done by the telecom. And we tested. We were pushing signals. And it seemed like, okay, great. We're all set. So you go to Deshka. You bring the gear so we can test the connectivity out at, at the start. And
1: right. then
0: you come back. And now we're in the race mode. The race has started. And, you know, we're trying to get your control set so you can take over the the night shift and I'm running the morning shift. And all of a sudden, we've got no nothing. feeds coming into your system. Right. It's like midnight in the East Coast. And, and, I, and you've been up for almost 24 hours. I've already been more. up for almost 24 <laughs> hours. And it's just, you know, nothing is working. So I've basically had to run the show, run the streams from here. While we're trying to figure out frantically why you're not getting the the feeds that we had already seen. And set up. And we're right. going back and forth with the telecom. And they're telling us the ports are open, but we're testing. And the ports don't appear to be open. And again, there's only one way to tell, right? Because I had all the problems on my end with the network and the firewall. So I wasn't 100% certain that something on my side didn't change. So we were able to take one of the encoders in the field and we redirected it directly into your router, bypassing my system entirely. And the error messages that that I was basically getting from the encoder were ports are blocked, Destination unavailable. So that that was like part of the uh, Encyclopedia Brown. Do You remember him? Yes. <laughs> we were playing Encyclopedia Brown, and if you don't get that reference, you're too young. But we were doing detective work, and we we had to prove that the routes were not accessible from the outside to Tom's router, and we basically did. But the telecom right. didn't want to admit. That they weren't having a problem, and again, I can't say enough about this Intenor company. Intenor support, yeah. I, I I'm on the phone with Intenor, and I'm like, we're having these problems. And they're like, listen, it's not a it's not a problem because you bought the right hardware. The hardware that you bought supports multiple protocols. So instead of trying to send TCP to Tom with the with the video data. We'll send SRT to Tom, which is not look it doesn't look like an inbound stream. It it actually appears as an outbound stream, and most, you know, corporate lands or whatever don't block outbound traffic. So he he really quickly helped me set up the the routes on SRT and magically boom off and running. Eight hours later. You know, we had uh, service back into your box. Now, Wait. I'd already been up for like you know, I don't know what thirty. It felt like thirty hours, oh, and I was I path. was a zombie. But but there was a lot of tension, and there was, was a lot of stress. Network
1: technicians out in the lobby at three a.m. Alaska time. It was all hands on deck to try to make it work. And right,
0: we resolved the second hurdle. Right, this is day day <laughs> two, day one and a half. <laughs> And we've already had two crises, and and we sort of resolved them, but now we've got the encoders out on the trail, and you know the when we say broadband and we say high speed in Alaska, those mean different things to different people.
1: Oop, I gotta, uh, I gotta grab this one here.
0: Caller, go ahead,
1: Mr. Christian Schlick on the uh, FaceTime audio line. How's it going uh-huh. out there in Ofer? <laughs> Are you down to light? Is, it, it's, is it? it's, it's, it's dropping to minus fifteen tonight, and then minus twenty tomorrow. Or minus All right, so awesome. you're on till one a.m. I am on to one a.m. and then Mr. Art Aldrich will be taking over at uh, five a.m. Eastern, one a.m. Alaska. Yes, Mr. Yeah, Art. D- Mr. D- Art Aldrich is on the other line, by the way. I'm sorry. I didn't no, say you. hello.
0: All right. Hey, what's up? freezing you're you're on this week in production by the way
1: Oh really
0: <laughs> This week in production <laughs> pretty much no part of this has been perfect not all of it has gone as planned not everything has worked right. out as expected but for the most part we're putting a product on the air we were having problems with the encoders uh with the network latency And there's a lot of network babbly gook that I could mention here about TCP and UDP and how things work. But the problem is with satellite internet, your TCP packets have a tremendous amount of latency. And we were basically streaming pictures, but they looked like heck. They just did not look good, and we didn't. We weren't getting a lot of bandwidth. We we're getting maybe 0.8, 0.9 megabit. But we've had pictures in the past, and then I remember back when we were using Teradek encoders that I would have to spend uh, days on the phone with uh, their tech support. And sometimes it was only by email. Occasionally, I would get them on the phone, but it they right. you know they would never be able to really. Give me all the details, but we did get to a point where we had the latency resolved just by adding in latency on the encoders. And when we started with the Intonor encoders, you know, we weren't sure if it was going to work or not the same way, but we did have latency issues. The pictures were horrible, producers were upset, the race admins were upset. And again, I had to reach out to Internet and say, listen, you know, we need help. We, we can't get good pictures. We're not getting consistent uh, responses. And they were able to dial in the encoders remotely from Sweden. And, and do some pretty
1: custom stuff specifically for the boxes we're using
0: they they really stepped up and they were able to help us so we we got the pictures finally dialed in about it you know i'd say a day into the race right. and now i mean it's amazing on a 0.8 megabit up stream we are getting beautiful 720p pictures
1: absolutely i mean they, they, they really so are cool.
0: the best looking pictures i've seen out of any of the encoding gear that i've ever used
1: yeah absolutely so and they perform well you can tweak them uh if something's wrong i can reset it from right here i can re- restart the modem and not have anybody else worry about how to wire it or get into it? All they all they have to do is plug an Ethernet in, and we're basically controlling it, which is amazing.
0: Right, right. It's a very sophisticated system, and it's it's honestly, it's not really as costly as a live view, but it works m- way more flexible for me than uh, than a live right. view setup. But but anyway, so we're we're about halfway through the race at this point. We've sort of hit our stride in terms of uh, live streaming. We're doing a lot of MIMO uh, trial and error, I would say. You know, the MIMO Live, for me, is is a in one way a big step forward. It has multiple mix minuses. It has multiple ISO recordings. You can do way more with um, the way the layers work. It works a lot like Photoshop. And that you have layer stacks. It looks like a Photoshop.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You have layer stacks and you can group them and you can do things like that. But what I've realized that the Mimo Live software lacks is a preview bus. Right. And I'm talking about for audio and for picture. And Wirecast had a very simple and elegant way, I will say, elegant. Because Mm -hmm. they had, it was basically like the old TV setups where you had preview on the left and program on the right. And in Wirecast, you could monitor in your headphones the left preview or the right, the on air. So if you wanted to see if you were getting sound from a source before you took it live, you could just go into preview and hear that source. Well, you came up with a good
1: hack for that, though.
0: Yeah, in Mimo Live you can't do that. So, we we started experimenting with because we're all NDI based, I started using the Sienna NDI monitor, which is just a very simple way to monitor NDI pictures on your network. And I realized that I could use that as a sort of preview cuz it's the same sources that Mimo's seeing. So, right. If I don't put the audio up on Mimo, but I put it up on Sienna, I can hear it before I take it on air. So that was a good little sort of uh, learning trick that um, seemed to work. But I do wish there was more previewing in the Mimo app.
1: Right, right. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It handles everything really well. And even the audio capabilities, it handles things really well. It's just not a full-featured broadcast switcher.
0: Right. You know? It it works. MIMO seems to work best if you can plan out ahead of time what you want right. to do. And and I wasn't using MIMO much <clears throat> initially. Like a year ago was the first time I sort of saw it and I was introduced to it by one of the foreign broadcasters. And and MIMO is a software company based in Germany and they sort of showed it to me and they were using it just to simply pass a stream from one encoder to another. But it had one feature that I was like, wow, that's better than Wirecast. And that was the ability to reconnect an RTSP stream. We had a couple Mm -hmm. of cameras that were using RTSP last year and in Wirecast, if the stream went dead and then restarted itself, Wirecast wouldn't pick it up and Memo would. And in the middle of the night when you're half asleep, that right. stream restarting itself is a big feature. So I started looking at Memo then, it was basically a year ago. And then ever since then, I've been basically using it almost every day since, and then the right. pandemic and all that stuff. But when you're using it in a very specific sense in a broadcast where things are happening on the fly, I wish there was more ability to build things in preview before you take them on air. The one thing that's nice about a small developer is that they're very responsive. And uh, if you look back at the Twip episode, but we were discussing a very large corporate job where I needed a very special, specific multi-box. Right. They, They were able to program it and even though they said they were going to charge me and I was willing to pay for the custom programming, they realized that the feature was desirable enough that they didn't charge me and they did, rolled it into a future update of the Memo. I noticed
1: that. I, it, And it was in the next version of it. I'm like, wait a minute.
0: And so, I call. and I told them I would have paid them if they named the layer after me. But <laughs> for, they just didn't seem receptive to that for some no. reason.
1: Which name? I, I don't know that. The I AAA, think I... the AAA layer.
0: So a small developer is more adept to fix things than, let's say, a major, you know, company that's got a development cycle and teams that are working right. on specific things. These guys, if they see a problem, they can just jump in and fix it. And many times, they fix things within a matter of hours and issue a new point release that fixes that bug. So I do like that. I'm not saying it's that important, yeah. I'm not saying I would maybe want to have that experience with all my software, but <laughs> it seems to work with this particular company. So hats right. off to, uh, to Mimo. Your challenge, Tom, this year was yeah. that you were going to be essentially me in your body. You were going to be the face of the live streaming team. I wasn't going to be there. And there was a right. fair amount of responsibility put on you to to handle the things that I would normally handle. And not that right. you're not capable of handling them, but it's just something you haven't done. And there's a lot of nuances that I tried to prep you for, but I certainly couldn't have prepared you for every single scenario that right. would have come up. I just my brain is not that detailed. So no, I know. But what has you know, your it, experience been right. being it, in Alaska it, with this?
1: It was. I I was a little bit more nervous just because I know you know the people here. You've been in in what you do for so long. They trust you implicitly and they rely on the knowledge that you bring. And not only to what you do, but to troubleshooting. And fixing other people's things. So my initial, not hesitation, but just concern was, can I fill those shoes? You know. So you know, coming up here and then being the the point person for everything, um, it it was a little bit of a challenge. But I jumped in right away and just remembered, you know, everything I would do uh, during the course of a day. You know, putting the cameras together, getting it all going. Dealing with the personalities of those around us that uh, have a lot of demands and making them feel comfortable that I'm going to be able to, to give them what they need uh, in your absence. And uh, I think so far it's been like that. I'm learning more things now. Just the, the nuances, not only of just streaming live, but planning out, getting to the finish and setting things up and dealing with people at Iditarod. So it's, it's more than just sitting at a computer. And, you know, clicking and making calls, there's there's a lot of ancillary things that go along with making sure the live stream works for Iditarod and making sure that the production crew is backed up.
0: Yeah, and, and you've done a great job with it. And I think it's been very, very seamless, though probably some people on the team would disagree. Uh, we're not going to go down that road at this point in time. That's a future podcast, probably a four-parter. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Do it when I leave, when I leave the job.
0: Yeah. So uh, anything you want to add to the conversation that we haven't touched on problems that we ran into solutions or just experiences that you want to verbalize?
1: I I think being out in the field last year, it seemed like there were more problems um, just making things work that the, the, the video, you know, cloud software, had all sorts of issues. This seems to be going really smoothly since we've, you know, tweaked it. And um, you know, my experience has just been it's 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 a logistics getting people where they need to be and and making things uh, happen.
0: The the one thing about rod is that we've always improved every year a little bit and we've built on the things that worked, we learned from the things that we didn't, and we try to not make the same mistakes over and over again. So I think from an evolution standpoint we've come quite a you know quite a journey. And this is not the one thing to remember is that this is not a network broadcast. This is not right. unlimited resources. This is not throw everything you have at it. This needs to be like surgical and tactical, and spend the money only where you need to get the to get the best that you can afford to get the job done. But don't spend a penny more than you have to, and right? then and then make sure that everything that you've you know spec delivers on spec and on time, and and that's that's the challenge of I did a rod. It,
1: is. That, it that is that is
0: that is the like there is no. Oh wait, let's go back and rethink this. Like it has to be there and it has to work because there's There's no no second take. There's no take two. The
1: proof is in the pudding. When the people are watching the live stream and we kind of monitor the chats to see what goes on, people are ecstatic. They say every year it gets better, and that's testament to you know you forging forward with your vision for the live stream. And people are people are happy.
0: And and it, there's a there's a satisfaction about you know seeing people respond positively to the way you're presenting the product and
1: if I could just get this camera operator to respond uh, to his page, um, <laughs> I could then I could then tell him to turn the exposure down on his camera. But yes, um, he's a newbie, and that's soon, uh, <laughs> soon
0: soon the next person who runs the live stream will have something like robotics that might. You know solve that problem so um i will just say if you're interested in hearing if you're interested in reading a little more about the iditarod the sports video group svp.org did a little story about the the broadcast the live stream you can check it out on there and i will let you get back to your daily tasks i'm gonna try to get a good night's sleep from new york i'm art aldridge And from Anchorage, Tom Chartrand here. See you next time. Take care, Art. Do you have something to say? Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, A reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, so please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening.